If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Doubletree Studios. This is the Utah Man Podcast. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation! (laughs) And we got Scott. I'm fired up. Let's do this. Let's do this. Before we break down the UCLA game and talk about little Washington, we do have a special guest tonight. We have Steve Bartle from UteZone.com. So before we get into it, let's hit a little bit of the notes that came out. So, as we reported last Wednesday, we, we were the first ones to report this in the Salt Lake area. Freak, first ones nationally. Game day is coming to Salt Lake this weekend. They'll be at President Circle. The Utes move up two positions in the poll at 17 in the AP and 16 in the coaches. And then Scott's favorite player, freshman running back, Marcel I know I'm going to butcher it. Her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. Also known as Barry Manilow has left the team. Yeah. Moment of silence for that. I'm a little disappointed. I The only thing I can think of is that... only for Not for his playing ability, just for his name. <laughs> well, I know that's why you love him so much. But really, I mean, I guess he just wasn't getting in playing time... And then they even asked Joe to come back because he wasn't going to Well, that was the writing on the wall. Well, I mean, Whittingham did say today in his press conference that uh, they were, uh, with all these injuries, they were... uh, He said they had nothing. They were next to nothing. So, obviously, uh, there was something there that just wasn't jiving with Witt or the staff. So, good luck to him. Wish him well. He's a good running back. I mean, he showed great skills in in the spring and the fall, which is a little surprising why he really did not get much of a shot. But... Nonetheless, good luck, sir. I'm just glad we don't have to listen to Scott sing Barry Manilow anymore. No, that's not going to stop me. That's <laughs> that's the only good thing that's coming out of this. All right, so Utah gets away with a victory out of the Rose Bowl and By the shootout. the skin of their teeth. 52 to 45. Holy crap. Who saw that coming? Who? I don't think anyone saw a shootout with UCLA. I like predicted 17-14 final score. <laughs> I think I was 24-17, so I wasn't even close. You know, especially going up two quick scores, the punt, or the, the kickoff return, which, thank goodness, there actually were pylons there at the time. Oh, that was <laughs> so bad. Seriously, UCLA, get, get, get it together. I'm, I'm just impressed they had goalposts up. A national broadcast, they got guys running them out with their sun hats on. <laughs> and they have no idea where to put them. They're like, ah, oh, this looks like a good spot. 
But uh, yeah, to go up two quick scores and uh, look pretty good early on, and then it just it fell apart pretty quick. Twenty-one unanswered points by UCLA, and then uh, then the uh, shootout was on from there. It was twenty-one quick points by UCLA, but I a big chunk, at least those first two touchdowns, were just horrible mental mistakes by the defense with with. Big penalties. I mean, I think there were three personal foul penalties there were on, on one that, of the yeah, drives. On that first that drive. That first drive, I think there was 40 yards of penalty, something if I remember right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, with a great team, or a team with great talent, I should say, you give them a chance to come back in the game, they're going to every time. Well, and, I, and they if, did. If I'm not mistaken, I believe two of them were on third down. So, I mean, you just extend, I know. Well, I, I remember drive. one was guaranteed, but could be but, two. But, I mean, you know. So I don't. We weren't the only ones that thought this was going to be kind of a low-scoring game, not really a shootout. A big shout out to Colby Utah Man Three on Twitter. He gave a score of thirty-one seventeen. So I think UCLA putting forty-five points on our defense was a surprise to a lot of people. Oh uh, yeah, I mean it. Uh, I don't think anybody really expected that type of a game. You know, especially with these two offenses coming into this game, both struggling both uh, struggling to put points on the board and for them just to every other drive marching down the field on each other where these are two pretty darn good defenses that they were doing it against so yeah so they throw for 70 attempts against our defense and really make us look bad i mean who knew that the utah defense could give up 450 yards passing well, I mean, especially to a backup, right? But, uh, I mean, watching that, it was live, it was frustrating, it was surprising. But I, I do wonder if, I mean, they completely abandoned the running game. They they didn't even attempt it. Because they're that bad. Exactly. They're that bad. <laughs> that's what's and, so sad. Is that they and, know and, they're that and bad. And defensively, that's our strength. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, I mean... Obviously, you know, we were game planning for something, maybe, and, and we didn't quite see ex- something that we were expecting. They have moved to a more traditional um, pro set offense, and we didn't see that in this game. So, you know, whatever Scally and Winningham, you know, whatever the game plan was going in, I think they obviously had to make some adjustments and uh, probably caught us off guard a little bit. But, I mean, as, as we were watching that game, it was easy to see. Uh, I mean, Faithful did have some good moments, but he had a lot of moments where you're just thinking, let this guy keep throwing because he's going to make mistakes as he did. Four turnovers on the night, two by Fogle, two by uh, Brian Allen. He almost actually had a third in the end zone. So the defense in moments stepped up. They played well, um, and but... There was a lot of big plays, and we kind of talked about this last week. What did we say with Marcus Williams being out? What 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 was going to happen? So to eliminate the big plays with him being out, and that I mean that didn't happen. Well, in the deep ball, yeah, they were not shy about attacking us deep over and over and over again, and they had success, which is why they continue to do that. So that to me, that's going to be a key against Washington. But I think it's. Not only is the deep ball, but the tackling was... 16 missed tackles. Poor. 16. Poor. Well, and a if, lot of them were against their tight end, number 11. Does Troy Williams even have 70 attempts on the season? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. 
it it is crazy. But I think that's where my um, concern is with this team is how bad the tackling was. And that's been a problem that's reared its head all season long. It's not. It wasn't just this past game. You've seen it. Not consistently, I don't think, but it has popped up from time to time. There has been a lot of missed and tackles. And it was everybody on defense. I mean, well, people were just reaching. Their, Brian Allen was trying to tackle the ball half the time. Well, and I think part of it is we were trying to make plays. We were almost being too aggressive at times, trying to sh- make a strip before we'd secured a tackle. And, I mean, Whittingham alluded that today in his press conference, that they, t- they teach him the first guy secures the tackle, if you arrive second, it's your job to strip it. Where we had some, we had the guy, the first guy arriving was trying to do both, and and that was costly a few different times. Some of those were just bad angles and, uh, um, yeah, not wrapping up and just going for the big hit, and it didn't always work. So, hopefully, I mean, those are all going to be on the game tape. You know, that's going to be a point of emphasis this week. They're going to be. They're going to have these guys dialed in for Washington with everything that's on the line. Um, game day coming. This is a big week. The, the players' attention will be at a peak. I agree, and I I hope you're right that it will be dialed in. But the, the thing that concerned me the most is the lack of pressure we were able to get on Faithful, whether it was rushing four guys or bringing six or seven more times than not, we could not get to him, and he had a lot of time to throw the ball, which is why he completed 40 passes. Well, and a lot of those, a lot when we brought pressure, was on third down, which, uh, and, you know, they continue to get those first downs. Because, again, I mean, going back and looking at that game again, they did a lot of three-step drops and a lot of timing routes. So so that was part of their game Yeah, they were plan. getting the ball out of the they pocket pretty quick. They were getting the ball quick. out quick, which which is a smart decision to do against this front. We've seen that. We saw that against Cal, um, obviously, this week. And I'll, I'll bet you we see it against Washington. They realize that that's our strength. So they're going to they're gonna try and get the ball out quick. And, you know, obviously the secondary and linebackers have to have to know that the ball's coming out quick and, and have to stay tight. But easier said than done. Yeah, I mean, that's when coaches need to make adjustments, and we haven't been seeing that. Like you just alluded to, all those teams throughout the season are doing it. Where's the improvement? Yeah, I, I was thinking about it. Was, I was watching the game, and I, I don't know if I've changed my mind. Maybe I have a little bit since since I watched the game. But um, I was thinking this is this probably is the first time that I think this season that Scally was outcoached. I can see that. Yeah, I, see that. I mean, but that... That's not necessarily a, a bad thing because he's going to learn from it. We're going up against Pac-12 every week. There's a lot of good coaches in this conference. You're not going to be the winner every week, and you're not going to always master and and be the better coach. So, I mean, I, I think in some ways it's good going through that type of a game because you're going to get the attention of the players. And it's a good learning opportunity, not only for the players, but for the coaches and to, to really dial things back in. But I mean, Whittingham said it. We're, UCLA, they're full of four and five star guys. So they're, they're talented. But as talented as UCLA is, I mean, you're going to have those moments and, and you're going to have them against Washington. You know, it's obviously we want to eliminate those. We've got to do a better job tackling. Um, but I, uh, 
I'm not so sure it's not going to be a benefit for this team to have gone through a performance like that, help, especially uh, just before a big week. So I do want to talk about two kind of stars of the game. First one's got to be Joe Williams. He's 20, still running. 29 carries, 332 yards, four touchdowns, along of 64 yards. Holy crap, where did this come from? Retirement's working, baby. I know it's coming from the retirement home, but this isn't the Joe that we saw at the beginning of the year. No. Well, I mean, he's always had this speed, but we, we he hasn't been in that in the open field like that where we've really been able to see it. I mean, this is these are four five-star safeties playing at UCLA that he was leaving. I mean, they were giving up on the play of the 20-yard line. But I think line. even before that, just at the line of scrimmage, we haven't seen that, Joe. No. He was no. patient. He let the hole develop, and then as soon as it was there, he hit it, and he'd go fast. Uh, even when well, he, he hasn't break, done that all year. Yeah, even when he didn't break the long ones, he wasn't getting pushed back. He was get after contact. He was getting additional yardage. It was a completely different guy than we saw in the first couple of games this year. Well, and and I think the the most important thing is he's protecting the ball. Thirty four carries last week. Twenty nine carries this week. No fumbles. Didn't even put it on the ground, and he's. he's just, I mean, he, he he does not look like the Joe Williams from game one and game two. So obviously injuries played a factor in that. It probably just mentally for his sake to get away, away from, from the, the game, game mm-hmm. getting fans out of his head, getting a lot of things out of his head, just being able to to focus on something other than football. He's come back completely reju- rejuvenated. He looks. I mean, Jamal Anderson tweeted out that he's going from retirement probably to the NFL draft. If he if he continues to do this through these last four to five games, um, he's on a pace now. Obviously, it's unrealistic to expect that he's going to run for two or 300 yards every game. But what our O-line is doing right now and how well they're blocking, I mean, UCLA is a good Defense. They held Jamal Williams at BYU to 28 yards rushing. Well, they're very, the game. very good mm-hmm. defense. And we talked about that last week. They're good at stopping the run. They are. And obviously, you know, if the hole's not there, Joe's not going to run for 300 yards. So big, a lot of a lot of that credit goes to the the size of the holes that the O line was was creating. I mean, Bowles was a monster. Tevi did great. Really, all the, the poles by Asiata. I mean, I know. Asiata has, I mean, that that, that counterplay has, uh, it's really turned into the, their money play. And Nick, Nick Nowakowski, he had a really good game. He was solid. For a fourth string center, we're, look, we're starting to look deep at the center position again. So, and one thing that we even haven't even talked about, no read option. No. It was the delayed yeah. handoff, which I like. It almost created just a little bit more time for the old lineman to create these holes. Instead of just a quick snap, hand the ball, and they're going, that delayed handoff created a little bit, just a, a few more seconds just to be able to, uh, to create some of these holes and, and get our old lineman to the second level. Because we've had success running the ball. Where we haven't had success are the big plays, the 40, mm-hmm. the 50, the 60-yard runs. And you, you start getting those runs when your O-lineman can make it to the second level. 
and pick up pick off a, a backer. And and the uh, running back runs a four three four. Oh, of course that that helps. But I mean, it's it was a great team effort. The thing I loved about the offensive line was no false starts. Hallelujah. Good job, Bowles. All right, and then kind of the, you know, the second. Mean, credit's got to go to Harding. I mean, four-string center and running back out of retirement. Look what he's doing. A little shaky early, but now, no, that, they're remarkable. St- now that they're starting to get some continuity, uh, big kudos to Harding for that. And then kind of the second star I thought of the game on the other side of the ball, Jordan Fogle gets his first start of the season. Comes away with two picks. He had a huge stop on fourth down. That was that was in the a huge field. play. Right, it perfectly. I, he, didn't he made, hesitate. He made a few errors in tackling. He even admitted that. But for coming in and having to replace Marcus Williams, I thought he did a decent job. Well, one thing that really isn't being talked about: he hasn't played a snap in two years. He's had multiple ACL tears. And he's gone through a lot just to be able to, you know, be a part of this team. Gets his opportunity. So you got to be happy for the kid that uh, he's waited that long. He's worked that hard to rehab. Gets the opportunity. And on a really big stage at the Rose Bowl, his first career start and goes out and plays like that. Yeah, hats off. Hats off. That was a, that was a good performance. Good, great performance. And I think kind of a gutsy call to put him in by the coaching staff because I know a lot of people were pulling – for Godfrey to get that start. Godfrey's MIA. He didn't ever see the field. I mean, he's backing up Chase I, I Hansen, think, and Chase Hansen doesn't come getting, out. I so. think he's getting the Barry Manilow treatment. <laughs> <laughs> he's talented, but he, he's not even getting an opportunity, so there's got to be something I'll, something there. I don't know. All I know is just kudos to that coaching staff for for getting you know these players up and ready to go for the game. when they. Ha- I mean, you have Joe Williams, you have Jordan Fogle, who have been missing time, haven't been playing games when retired. You look at every position on this team, There's they've been decimated by injury at some some point. And they keep getting guys ready to play. Well, I mean, it's kind of Winningham's slogan, next man up. And uh, they're, they've been preaching it, and now they're, uh, now they're walking the walk. Well, and it shows how great a great a job they've done in recruiting. If they can go this deep, and still get production. Well, and and I think we've all been scared with all these with all these injuries that have been taking place, and it's testing our depth. We've cut. We even with this, we've made it through. We're starting to get guys back. Hopefully, low. I, I believe. I you know. I I think Nick probably has secured the center position for now. But you know, low coming back at the very least, it provides depth. Moss Moss was ready to play. Reports were that McCormick was on the sideline with his helmet, and he just obviously didn't get the opportunity to come back and play. I suspect we'll see him against Washington. Um, Winningham said Timmy Patrick's was 85, hoping to be 100 for Saturday. We're starting to get guys coming back, which we need for this final stretch. So this could that could, that could prove to be huge. Did he I didn't hear the press conference today. Did he say anything about Williams or Tatioli? They wouldn't know until game day. No. I I would suspect we don't see I mean, I have no inside information. I have no idea. I, I would be surprised if we see either of them against Washington. Hopeful, it'd be great to have Marcus back. 
answer Nia, but it'd be uh, great to have Tati. I mean, Barton did a, a a good job, but he almost got tossed. And what happens if he gets tossed in that game? Okay, so I think that's a great breakdown of the UCLA game. Joining on this phone now is Steve Bartle from UteZone.com. Steve, how are you doing? I'm good. I just got home from L.A., and I, the first thing I did was, was turn on the uh, replay of the Utah-UCLA game. So I'm doing really well. How are you guys? We're good. Thanks We're for doing joining great. us. doing well. Thanks for joining. So first question Definitely. I got to fire at you. I know you were at the game against U, uh, UCLA. Are you concerned at all with the lack of pressure that Utah was getting on defense? It, you know, it, it was a bit concerning. Uh, you know, they attempted 70 passes, which is an unbelievable amount. They ended up with two sacks and um, and just didn't seem to get to the quarterback enough um, during the game. Uh, I haven't watched the replay yet to, to really get a, a good idea of, of just how much pressure they actually got. But, you know, watching that game, it didn't look like there was a whole lot of pressure. You know, UCLA came out and, and they knew that they had to pass the ball. They knew that they weren't going to be able to, to run against the Utah defense. Um, and so, you know, when, when the offense has the, that in their back pocket, knowing that they're going to be passing the offensive line, you know, they're, they're going to bring their best every play. So, um, it was definitely, um, a little uneasy watching that. Uh, as the defensive line wasn't able to get pressure and, and you could tell that the, the guys were gassed in that fourth quarter. And so, you know, is, is that a sign that we need to get more, uh, you know, some younger players involved? I, I think so. I think that Lucky Fosu and, and Bradley and I are two guys that, that should be getting reps. They're, they're physically there. So I, I think that it's something to look at going forward and, and something that will be addressed uh, this upcoming week for Washington. Well, I'll tell you, I was a little gassed watching that game as uh, <laughs> as a U fan. I don't think we're not we're not used to these shootouts where uh, teams are just going up and down the field and scoring at will. How surprising was it? Uh, you know, obviously being there in the in the uh, in the stadium, watching a backup quarterback for UCLA, who obviously you know they were very one dimensional. You know, as as you just mentioned. But uh, how effective they were throwing the ball and attacking us um, deep quite often. What uh, what's your what's your thoughts on that? You know, initially it was it was frustrating. It was surprising to see that. You know, Utah's defense has been pegged as one of the, as one of the best defenses in the conference, especially that that defensive secondary and and for um, Mike Safel to to come out and and just pick the Utes defense apart. It was pretty surprising. You know, they, they moved the ball extremely well against the defense and, and basically just had their way in the passing game. But when you actually look at, at the numbers and, and what, what they accomplished and what the defense accomplished, it was really, you know, the, he, he had a target and the SA, their tight end, their big tight end, he had a huge day. I think he, he went for about 150 yards and, you know, it's, it's, when you have a tight end like that that can make plays that um, is is kind of that security blanket for a QB, it's it's really easy for them for the QB to to, to have that and um, and move the ball. But yeah, it was pretty surprising. You know, you're you're coming into the game and, and you find out that Rosen isn't playing, and so you're thinking this is going to be a, a a cupcake. You know, as as we say here in Utah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but 
you do, and then you realize you remember that that these guys are all scholarship athletes, as, as Coach Whittingham said today in his presser. You know, these guys are all talented. They can all make plays. They're all really good football players. And so it was just one of those things that uh, UCLA hadn't been in that spread offense all year. They had been in more of a, a pro-style formation uh, or pro-style offense. And so to come out in that spread spread offense, I'm, I'm sure it was a little bit of an adjustment for the Utah defense. Um, but they made the plays when they had to and, and that. But, yeah, it was a little – it was a little crazy seeing Faithful just march the, the UCLA offense up and down the field. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, it was a bit surprising to see that. Hey, Steve, look at the, uh, I'd like to look at the other side of the ball and get your thoughts on the progression of Troy Williams as the season's gone on. Um, you know, as, as a fan, we look at it and think, I think we've gotten better at that position uh, since last season. However, you look at the stats, and he's only thrown seven touchdowns this year. What are your thoughts on that? You know, this last game, he's he's twelve of twenty four for one seventy nine. You know, in an INT, and and you look at that, and you're like, that's that's just a bad game for him. You know, and and compare that to last year with the offense, and that's that's those are numbers that you know we would we would love to have. Um, so I, I think it shows the talent level with Troy and the production that he's had so far this, this season. This was, this wasn't his best game. UCLA's secondary, defensive secondary is really, really talented. They are really good. They make life difficult for all, you know, passing games. So the, the thing was, was they, they made some big plays, which we haven't seen, you know, the last two or three weeks. You know, they connected on two 40 yard pass plays, one to, C.O.C. Wilson and the other to Corey Butler, and and that's something that the Utah offense needs. So he hasn't put it all together just yet, but you're seeing these things where if he puts it together, um, you know, he can be a, a really good quarterback. It's just a matter of him putting it together and, and just having that complete game. But yeah, you see it in him. Yeah, he has everything that you're looking for in a quarterback. He's definitely a Pac-12 caliber guy and, and a guy that can lead us to you know to a, a very good bowl game and and that but um it, this game this past game it was it was definitely difficult for him but i think he bounced back he's been looking at this washington game you know he said for two years he's been looking forward to this game so it's something he's had his mind on and, and he wants to perform well so i think we'll see a, a better performance from him this week staying on the offensive side of the ball Obviously, uh, with what Joe Williams accomplished on Saturday, setting uh, uh, a Utah single-game record, uh, from all accounts, uh, a Rose Bowl record, but a lot of that had to do with the O-line. And you do, I love following you on Twitter and on Zone. You, you give a, a good breakdown of the offensive line. What, what did you see? What was, what was different that stood out to you this game versus... Uh, um, us running the ball uh, um, previous games this year. I tell you what, um, Nick Nowakowski and Celeste Uatafe, they have they have the game of their life you know, on Saturday. And and same with Garrett Bowles and Isaac Asiata. They were just mauling guys. Um, I've I've started watching a little bit of the game and and kind of breaking down some of the run plays. And, and they are finding their targets as a big play that they ran was out of the pistol formation. Um, kind of like a, a counter almost. And they would pull Isaac Ossiata and Garrett Bowles 
And something that they were struggling with early on in the season was finding their targets, who they're looking to block um, to allow the, the running back to get to that second level. And that's something that they were doing perfectly on Saturday. They were finding their targets and they were driving them back. Garrett Bowles was just mauling dudes. Um, and that allowed Joe Williams to, to get out and, and get on those long runs. So the offensive line played great. Garrett Bowles, Isaac Ossiero were, were great and, and they're pulling blocks and Nick Nowakowski was, was holding his own against one of the, the best defensive tackles in Eddie Vanderdos and Celestia Otofi as well. You know, he, he held his own and, and then some, you know, these, these guys have performed really well and, um, they're just, they're starting to get it all together. So I'll have more on the offensive line later on in the week, but, you know, they're, they're finding their targets. You know, they're, they're starting to know what to look for, um, as, as they match up with individual defenses and that, but they're finding their targets and their, and their poles and, and that, and, and just starting to really mesh and gel. Jumping ahead uh, to this Saturday against uh, Washington, I think coming into this game, uh, all you fans kind of had this penciled in as a loss already. But as the last several days have uh, have come and gone, I think as everybody's kind of digging in, maybe learning a little bit more about Washington, obviously it's, it's a tough task, but I think this is a lot more doable than we thought a few days ago. What What is Utah going to have to do to to uh to come out with a victory on saturday man that's a great question or can Washington they come away with a victory oh they oh they can <laughs> I, yeah they they definitely can it'll take you know it'll take their best performance of the season um washington is a legitimate you know they're a legitimate team uh they are all around they have they're the complete package you know and it, it starts on the defensive side of the ball um there's there's one player jojo mathis who uh, he's a defensive end and he is just a monster. You know, he, he's a guy that just wreaks havoc and he's someone that may, may not be available for Washington this week. So that's, that's a, a bonus, uh, you know, for Utah. That's something that, you know, you don't want to see, you don't want to hope for injuries or, or that kind of thing. But, you know, if he's out, you know, that's definitely a plus for Utah. But, um, with Washington, you know, it's going to be just man on man, mano y mano type thing and, and just, you're going to have to bring it each and every play. You know, they're balanced on offense uh, with their run game, and they've got receivers that uh, they look to get the ball to, and they can make plays. So it, it's going to be uh, quite the, the test for the defense. And then uh, for the offense, uh, the offensive line, they're going to have a, a tough time with the defensive line of Washington. They've got some big guys. Elijah Qualls is another guy, their, their big nose tackle. You know, he might be the best nose tackle in, in the conference. You know, he is just a monster and eats up blocks. So uh, it's going to be a test for the offensive line. But, you know, after this performance against UCLA, you have to like that. And then the receivers, uh, Washington secondary is the best secondary in the conference. So it's going to be tough sledding. They're going to have to be creative in, in their play calling and in their route structures and that. Um, and, and maybe try to get some other guys like the tight ends involved, you know, Evan Moyai, um, involved and, and also the running backs in the passing game. So, uh, they, the, the weak part of that defense of the Washington defense is, is probably the linebackers. So if you can get the running game going and, and the running backs involved in the passing game and get them matched up on those backers, that's something that you can take advantage of. But 
it's going to take a perfect game, you know. And, and one thing that that I've been impressed with this with this team, especially following this game and and seeing their reaction after the game during the pressers, they are thriving on that underdog role. You know, when guys don't respect them, you know that's when they play their best. So, you know, I, I hate to doubt this team, but um, they they perform their best when when they're doubted. So it's going to be a, a fun matchup on Saturday. Steve, before we let you go, you know, we got to get your take on recruiting. Game day's coming into Salt Lake. Do recruits really care about that kind of stuff, or is it just more of a, a fan that loves game day? You know, a, a recruit's not going to make a decision whether game day comes to a school or not, but it helps, you know. When you're when you're the school that's on college game day and, and you're on ESPN, you know, and, and you're on the TV and you've got the fans behind you know, those guys, Corso and those guys, it's it's a big deal. You know, it gets you in front of eyes that um, maybe haven't seen Utah or or have seen Utah, and, and, and they see the fans, they see the, you know, game days coming to Utah and that, and it gets them excited. You know, they're, they're having, they've got some, some recruits coming this week um, that are, are very good players. One, one player I'm talking to tomorrow is, is Brian Thompson out of Southern California. He's a receiver that um, he's the type of receiver that Utah has not been able to get um, since since joining the Pac-12. He's a, a very good player. He's a three-star um, on scout and a, a borderline four-star, you know, with other services. He's a very good player. Um, they've got a, a couple other guys, and we'll know more later on as the week goes. But it's definitely something where um, you have game day on campus. You want to get your kids you know, the recruits that, that you're, you're working with, you want to get them there and, and have them enjoy that atmosphere um, and have them see that, you know, with, with game day um, up at your school. So it, it's not a, a major factor, but it's definitely a bonus. You're not going to say no to game day and, and having recruits see that on ESPN. So it's definitely a plus. And, you know, Utah, they're riding the momentum. They're they're gaining momentum on the trail and that. So it's a it's a good time to be a youth fan. It's it's been kind of slow with recruiting, but you know space is limited with this class. But they'll get things going here. All right, Steve. Thank you so much for jumping on. And you can find him at utezone.com. And Steve, where can people find you on Twitter? So my uh, my handle is s bartle. That's s b a r t l e scout. Um, so s bartle scout. Um, follow me on Twitter. You know, and, and it'll be all youths, mostly youths all the time. There'll be some jokes <laughs> here and there, but, but yeah, that, that's my handle. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Steve. Take care, buddy. Take care, guys. Thanks, Steve. See ya. Okay, and that was Steve Bartle from com. Some great insight. It's, you know, I like to bring people on that travel to the game, and they can really give that firsthand experience of watching the game inside the stadium. I would love to go to the Rose Bowl. I haven't made it yet, but I want to someday. It's a little maybe in January. January second. I went uh, for uh, Travis Wilson's first career start. Was at the Rose Bowl, and uh, I mean it's 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 fun being there, but it's a little underwhelming because there's tons of empty seats. It does not get very loud at all. From the outside, it's I mean it looks like an older stadium. It's it's pretty old, run down. I mean they're making some improvements to it. Kind of like Ryan, kind of old and run down. Yeah, a little bit. But uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's you gotta you gotta do it. 
being there for a regular season game or being there for the actual Rose Bowl on January 1 are going to be two completely separate things. So, come on, Utes. There's a chance. You got to do it, baby. You got to take us there. So, Washington comes into Salt Lake as the fourth-ranked team in the country. But are they really the fourth-ranked team? I mean, I think they've... They haven't really beaten anybody significant as of yet. They beat, they beat Stanford. They killed Stanford when yeah, Stanford St- was ranked seventh. I think that's what bumped them up so it, high in it the It is, rankings. but we, we all know at this point Stanford's not good. So they they do not they do not have a quality win on their schedule. But I I agree, but you look at it look at very similar to what happened to us last year when we beat Oregon. We went oh, skyrocketing up the Number three, it got it got everybody's attention, and and from there, I I'm not, and I'm not by any means downplaying how good they are. I have a lot of respect for them. I have a lot of respect for their coach. They are a good football team, but they are beatable, and they have they have not played on the road in any type of tough environment this year. They've had two road games. Two. At Arizona, which went to overtime. Yeah, and Arizona's getting like 30000 a game. At Oregon. And Oregon, Oregon's no good. Oregon's maybe coming on a little bit. We'll see. But at that period of time, Oregon was flat out awful. So Rice-Eccles, game day, loud crowd, Utes. Bring it. I'm liking I'm liking our recipe for success here. I'm not I'm not saying we're gonna go win, but the thought even three days ago the thought was, well, we just gotta get past UCLA and then we'll we'll get our loss at Washington and then the final three games, we'll see what happens. We're don't get me wrong, we're gonna have to play really well to beat these guys. But the more I the more I kinda learn about them, I'm I'm not that convinced they're that great. You've changed your tune since you and I spoke on Saturday. I called you right after the game, and you were right off the bat. We're going to lose next week. I I was, but you can never, you can <laughs> never take okay. anything I say. In Back the it up, moment. Back it no, up. Listen. Beep beep beep. During a game, I'm irrational. <laughs> I get too hyped up, and I say things I don't mean. And if you follow me and list, read my tweets during a football game, you'll know what I'm talking about. But uh, here's the deal. Like I said, as I've read a little bit more about them, looked at their schedule, looked at a number of things, they've been really healthy up until this point. They've lost two starters on defense potentially for this game, and JoJo Mathis and a linebacker who I can't recall his name at the moment. And... Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be big because JoJo Mathis has been a beast for them this year, so definitely helps Utah. Like I said, we're gonna have to control the ball. We're gonna have to limit their possessions. We're gonna have to play flawless football. No turnovers. Take care of the ball. When we get in the red zone, we gotta score points. Now doing that against a good defense like Washington, that's not gonna be easy. But uh, I, 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 I'm giving Utah a much better chance now than I was Saturday. I just want to beat Chris Peterson. Every time I look at him, I think Boise State. So I, I've said this before. He's my, got a better haircut than Colorado. <laughs> he does. 
my uh, in-laws live in Idaho, and they think that Chris Peterson walks on water. And for that, I hate him. <laughs> Still, even though he left. Oh, yeah. And part of it goes back to back in the day when he was at Boise State, and Utah played them a couple of times, and we couldn't beat him. No, we couldn't. I, I believe last year was Witt's first win over him as a coach, head to head. Yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, they met in the Vegas Bowl a number of years ago, and uh, I, I will say I don't, I don't have the hatred for him. I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's a, re- I mean, he's a great coach. For whatever reason, he doesn't kind of rub me the wrong way. Now their little punk of a quarterback, Jake Browning. <laughs> I want, I want Pitta to rough him up Saturday night, or Saturday afternoon, one thirty. Pitta and Dimmick need to go to task and and wipe the little smirk off his face because he talks a lot of crap throughout the game. And I hope we lay it on him and put him back in his place. Maybe Hatfield will pick him off and start talking back to him. <laughs> Hatfield's a talker. Well, Hatfield will talk. Whether he makes a play, it doesn't matter. He'll talk. But, uh, yeah, Jake Browning's the one who, uh, now granted, great quarterback. Again, got a lot of respect for him. He's got 24 touchdowns on the year. I believe only two interceptions. Great numbers. Um, so we're going to have to play really, we're going to have, we can't put in the same type of UCLA effort into that one. Um, but I hope we get to the quarterback early and often and, uh, and he's feeling it. We did have success last year getting to him. I mean, we put him on the ground several times during last year's game. And obviously, he's a year better and more experienced. Uh, the the matchup, not the matchup, but the the what I'm looking at is see how Troy Williams plays. The, he's obviously had this game circled on his calendar. Well, he hasn't been quiet about that. He's been very vocal. And he wants to pay back. He feels slighted. For what happened to him up there? Well, today he uh, in the press conference said he wants to put up video game numbers on Washington this week, and apparently Washington fans did not take too kindly to uh, to what he had to say. So um, they definitely know that he's going to want to go have a big game on him, and it'll be interesting to see: is he going to be too hyped up? Is he going to be trying to do too much? Um, A-Rod's going to have a, a job on his hands this week, keeping him level-headed. But at the same time, the more that I think about it, having him just coming out guns a-blazing. He has the, he seems to have uh, the mentality that when he wants I'm, to I do something, okay with he, that. Can, he can get it done. And, and the, to be honest with you, Washington is not going to let Joe Williams run for 300 yards on him. They are going to be dead set on stopping the run and not allowing what just took place to happen again. So that should hopefully free things up for Joe, um, or excuse me, for Troy through the air. And uh, he's going to have to have a big game, I think, uh, to get this done. But I'm ready to watch. I'm ready. It's Monday night, and I'm ready. I'm going to run through a brick wall. Let's do this, Utes. (laughs) How awesome is it to be in the Pac-12? And just every week, there's something to look forward to. There's nothing better, especially being in the Pac-12 and being relevant towards the end of the season Mm -hmm. and having everybody talking about you. We're in the conversation for the playoffs. We're in the conversation for the Rose Bowl. And, I mean, that in and of itself is 
makes makes this a lot of fun. But we we are in the glory days of Utah football. Since 2014, we are the winningest team in the Pac-12 with a record of of 26 and 8 since this 2014 season. The next closest team is Oregon at 24 and 11. That's pretty impressive. It is impressive. As Dude. as the quote-unquote little guys who just joined the big leagues and that quickly We've won more Pac-12 games than any other team in the conference over the last two years. And you know what we have to show for it? Nothing. Two Vegas Bulls. Come on, Pac-12. But you're right. I mean, look at the, that's an outstanding record. But you look at what we have left in front of us. It's a lot of tough games to get to where we want to be. It is. Well, we've seen it. What happened last year? What happened the year before that? And the year before that? I mean, all we had to do was beat UCLA at home last year, and all we could put up was three stinking field goals. All we had to do was beat Colorado year one. You know, we had to beat Arizona last year, or UCLA. I mean, we, we've had our opportunities. I'm, 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 I'm surprisingly confident against ASU. Oregon, they're going to want payback. And it looks to they look like they found a quarterback. Um, so that still scares me a little bit. Plus, they bring their duck, duck nachos. <laughs> and then Colorado, Colorado's not losing. No, they'll come back to earth. Who? Who's going to beat them? Washington State is about the only team left on the schedule other than us that I can see them losing to. It's it's going to come down to who wins that game. Is going to win the South, which is a little scary thought, being that it's at Colorado. So to end every podcast, you know, we kind of give our Utah score and then do some Pac-12 games. But before that, let's hit our U in the NFL. This week's Ute in the NFL. So this week, the U in the NFL goes to Devontae Booker. Now, he had 17 carries for 83 yards, but the reason why he's the Ute in the NFL this week is he got his first career NFL touchdown. Boom. Book mode. Way to go, Book. Carrying on the proud tradition of the Denver Broncos running game. Love it. All right, so the Utah-Washington game. Washington's favored by 10 points. Ryan, it's your turn to go first this week. Who are you taking in the score for Utah-Washington? I'm going to go with the Utes. No, you homer. homer you homer. But, uh, I'm going to go with the Utes, but it's going to be a tight one. Andy Phillips wins it towards the end with a field goal, 34-31. And Scott? Oh, this is tough. Saturday, I would have, as Ryan alluded to, I would have said Washington wins going away. I just can't do it. When I get in front of this mic, I can't <laughs> pick against the youths. So, Mitch Wishnowski with a late fake punt oh. <laughs> gets us into field goal range. I agree. Andy Phillips kicks us to victory. Utah, 24. UW, 23. Wow. So, I, I already penciled this game as a loss. But... Looking over Washington, seeing what they've done this season so far, how they've only played two road games, 
they haven't really had any challenges this season. And I think Utah poses a lot of things that they can't handle well, especially if we can get pressure on the quarterback. So I'm going Utah 27, Washington 24. We are all a bunch of homers. That we are. All right, on to our Pac-12 games of the week. Ryan, you're going to go first again, and it's Cal at USC. USC's favored. It opened up at 11.5. It's moved up to 15.5. Who are you taking? (laughs) Not a lot of respect for Sunny Dykes. (laughs) Well, first of all, Cal is on the road, so that's their first uh, problem right there. And they just came off of a double overtime win with USC having a bye. So I'm going to go with the mighty Trojans of Southern Cal. Scott? Yeah, I'm going to go. I never ever pick Cal unless uh, unless they're playing at home. So I'm going to definitely go USC on this one. I'm taking USC in this game. They're playing really well right now. I'm surprised they're, they're not ranked yet, right? Yeah, whatever. I'm surprised that they're not ranked, but I'm taking USC in this matchup. The next one we have is Arizona State at Oregon, where Oregon's a seven and a half point favorite. Ryan, who are you taking? That's a tough one. Arizona State played pretty well against Washington State last week, and Oregon's playing played better too. But since it's at Oregon, I'm going to go with the Ducks. Scott, who are you taking? Um, I, I am going to go, uh, I'm going to go with the Ducks here as well. I think they're starting to put things together and ASU, they are sliding faster than, uh, uh PK's ratings on the radio. So, um, I'm going to go with Oregon. I'm going with the Ducks as well. The way you said earlier, Scott, they finally have a quarterback back there. They're starting to play with some confidence. They're at home. They have a great fan base there, so I'm going Oregon. And then to round us out, we have Stanford at Arizona, or Stanford opened up as a six-point favorite. It's moved to five and a half for Stanford. Ryan, who are you taking? I'm going to go with Arizona. Bear down. They're going to get. They're going to knock off Stanford this week. Scott, I'm I'm going to go with Stanford because I'd like to see Rich Rod still be winless in the Pac-12. And uh, I don't really have confidence in that pick, but I'm going to go with Stanford. This one to me is a toss-up. I, I really think it can go either way, but I'm going to go Stanford. The trees get the victory. Okay, as you know, that game day likes to have a celebrity pick on their show, so we thought it'd be fun that we'll kind of give predictions on who we think it is. And if you want to tweet at us or email us at utahmanpodcast at gmail. And if you guess the celebrity correctly, you can win a night stay at Doubletree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City downtown. So with that being said, Ryan, who is your celebrity guest pick? My celebrity guest pick is Jamal the Dirty Bird Anderson. I like it. Interesting. Who you take? Lacks Scott? creativity, but I like it. Oh gosh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> All right, so I've uh, I put a lot of thought into this. No, not really. I I'm gonna go. There is a movement on Twitter to get uh, Steve Smith and uh, Eric Weddle out here because they are on bye weeks back in Baltimore. 
which that would be awesome. But I'm going to go with uh, Julianne Huff. You would. From Dancing <laughs> with the Stars. Because I like to get jiggy with it. Those are nice picks. So if you remember last year when game day was in Salt Lake, they brought in John Stockton. So one maybe we think Carmelone would be next in line. But not so fast, my friends. <laughs> Donny Osmond. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, Lee Corso will sing, I'm a little country, you're a little rock and roll. <laughs> I Th- hope That not. would be hilarious, the <laughs> now, two of them singing. Really, we'd want to hear what you guys think on your predictions. Again, hit us up on Twitter, Utah Man Podcast. Email it in, Utah Man. I'm a little teapot. Podcast at Gmail. Out. Ryan, where can people find you online? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Um, you can find me, even if you're searching from Sweden, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. And you can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, and our home at utahmanpodcast.com and on Stitcher and Instagram at utahmanpodcast. And go Utes. Go Utes. Bring it Saturday. Go Utes. We'll be till I die, We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. How do you say his name? Manalo. Malan. Manalo. I, I'm not even going to attempt it. Let me redo that. <laughs> is, sec- is English your second language? <laughs> Before we start, we got skeet and row on the on the show tonight. <laughs> Before we started recording, I even said his name correct. Come on, camera. But it's like as soon as it, this starts going, I get nervous. You freeze up. Well, who knew that Farfall would come in and throw for seventy attempts? Faithful. <laughs> I did that one on purpose. No, you did. Yes, I did. Because I remember his if, name. Was if you're new, faithful. If you're new to the show, just whatever Cam says of somebody, somebody's name, just go with the opposite. I was. I did that one on purpose. When Lord Farquaad came in. <laughs> oh, he is very faithful. <laughs> it's faithful. Oh, I thought it was fawful. Take it away, but faithful. But that, that was a joke. When Farfall came in. <laughs> that was a joke. Farfalot had a lot of great passes. <laughs> Wait, you guys no one's gonna t- buy that it was a joke because you screwed up everything <laughs> we've said so far tonight. <laughs> hey Cam, just real quick, say speak into the microphone. Tell us your name. <laughs> Come on, do it with us. I'll sound it out. Cameron. <laughs> Let's do it together. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> hey, what what point were you trying to make? <laughs> hey, did you know Farfels from Utah? Oh, <laughs> Byron Scott was born in Ogden. Yeah, we knew everyone knows that. James Woods. Frank Zamboni, the inventor of the Zamboni. I'm going to Zamboni you out of here, Scott. <laughs> Same with the Farnsworth guy who Wilford invented the Wilford Brimley? <laughs> you didn't know Wilford Brimley was? <laughs> who are you taking, Scott? I haven't decided yet. <laughs> I, 
You just went through WikiLeaks. <laughs> I just did my research. <laughs> WikiLeaks. He's not Hillary Clinton. 